0: You're listening to the Weekly Sermon from Clarkston United Methodist Church in Michigan. We are a church dedicated to connecting people to people and people to God. To learn more, visit us at clarkstonumc.org.
1: In just a moment, you're going to hear a word from Scripture. As many of you know, we are journeying through the Gospel of John, and this week we are delving into Chapter 2 of John's Gospel. If you haven't had a chance yet, I want to remind you that there are lots of resources that will help you study the Gospel of John with us during this time. Pastor Rick has posted Um, several videos so far about the chapters of John that we've explored. A new one is going to go up tomorrow morning, so I invite you to check that out. Those have background, context, some maps, all the information that you need to help you understand the Bible chapters as we read them together. There's also a study on Tuesday mornings. Information is on the website. For right now, though, we're going to hear this short story from John's Gospel, Chapter 2, the first recorded miracle that we have in this Gospel. Before we hear the word, I'm going to invite you, join me in a spirit of prayer. Let's pray together. God, as we prepare to receive these words from your Gospel, fill us with grace, fill us with peace, and give us wisdom that your word might live in us today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now let's hear these words from the Gospel of John.
0: John 2, verses 1-12 through On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the celebration. When the wine ran out, Jesus' mother said to him, They don't have any wine. Jesus replied, Woman, what does that have to do with me? My time hasn't come yet. His mother told the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Nearby, there were six stone water jugs used for the Jewish cleansing ritual, each able to hold 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, Fill the jars with water. And they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, Now draw some from them and take it to the head waiter. And they did. The head waiter tasted the water that had become vine he didn't know where it came from though the servants who had drawn the water knew the head waiter called the groom and said everyone serves the good wine first they bring out the second rate wine only when the guests are drinking freely you kept the good wine until now this was the first miraculous sign that jesus did in canna of galilee he relieved his glory and his disciples believed in him after this jesus and his mother His brothers and the disciples went down to Capernaum and stayed there for a few days.
1: They don't have any wine. The statement from Mary in the scripture is about being worried that there won't be enough to go around. She's nervous that there will be expectations that are not fulfilled at this wedding party. I don't know about you, but I identify with Mary's nervousness a whole lot more now than I would have before the pandemic. I don't know how many of you are grocery shopping online, but we do our shopping through Kroger. And it's come to the point now where you enter an item in the search bar and certain items just don't turn up in a search anymore. They don't have disinfecting wipes. They don't have hand sanitizer Now, the truth is, when you go into the store, sometimes you find that those items are available physically on the shelves, but it's a little bit random and unclear how these things work with which store has which items at any given time, and some of the obvious ones, like toilet paper, are hit or miss, but there are other items that are just gone from the shelves and you don't really know why. Like, I have a friend who was looking for white cake mix for his three-year-old's birthday, There was no white cake mix to be found. Like, who is hoarding the white cake mix out there in the world? I don't know. But it's a little bit weird to go into a store and not be able to find some of those basic things that you expect to be there. The quote from Mary, they don't have any wine, kind of speaks to where we are right now as a culture. There's a lot of fear about not having enough There are experiences that are simply not being had. There are hopes that are simply not being fulfilled right now. I mean, even listening to a scripture and a story about a wedding during this season may feel like a reminder of scarcity for some of us, knowing that couples across the country are having to make hard decisions about whether to change or postpone their wedding plans and how best to protect vulnerable family and friends during this time. These are incredibly difficult decisions, and none of us would have imagined having to make them a year ago. It's really easy to get ourselves into a scarcity mindset at this moment because, in many ways, scarcity is our reality. We each have a list, a very personal list of things that are simply not right now, not available, not happening, not possible. For example, today in the life of our church was supposed to be Confirmation Sunday at Clarkston United Methodist. And I know that we have more than 20 young people who are sitting at home, as well as their families, their confirmation mentors, who are pretty bummed out right now that we're worshiping online in this way, instead of celebrating them in person, celebrating their faith, having the party that was supposed to conclude their year-long journey of classes and, uh, and fellowship and learning. This scripture from John 2 is shocking because when a statement of scarcity is voiced in this story, Jesus responds with a miracle of abundance. Abundance is always the way Jesus responds. It's just who he is. When Jesus hears that the wine supply is running low, he doesn't send his friends to the next town over to pick more up, to stock up, as if that was even really possible. Instead, he asks the servants to gather gallons of water, 120 to 180 gallons of water, as Pastor Rick reminded us in last week's video. And then Jesus transforms this water into the best wine that they've tasted yet at this party. The steward even says, you know, usually people bring out good stuff first, and they save the kind of not-so-good stuff for the end of the party. But you have saved the best for last. You've saved the best for last. Another way to say that, the best is yet to come. This is the first miracle that we have recorded in the Gospel of John. It's the first thing that Jesus does with his new disciples. They all go to a party, and Jesus makes sure that it's a really good party, It's unclear, as you read the story, how Mary gets roped into all of this. Like, what is she really even doing uh, that she knows that there's not enough wine? Is she poking around behind the scenes? It feels a little bit rude. Some scholars have said, well, maybe she was a close relative to the bride or the groom, and that's how she has the inside scoop on what's going on here. But then we have to ask the question, okay, Mary knows what's going on. Why is she telling Jesus about it? He hasn't performed any miracles yet. That we have recorded. She's not the host. Jesus isn't the host. Neither of them really had official responsibility here other than being guests and, you know, wanting what's best for the bride and the groom, knowing that if you ran out of wine, it was a really big deal and people would have looked down on you. But it's not their problem to solve, really, which leads to further questions. I mean, where are the bride and the groom in this story? Why are they not featured? They don't seem to know what's going on at their own party. It's a strange story when you start to dig down deeper into it and ask these kinds of questions. And yet, this is where the miracle happens. We find in this story insight into who God is and what God does. God does the unexpected. God provides good things in unlikely situations. God offers abundance in ways and places that we may never have thought to even ask for or voice for ourselves. This story reminds us that God may be performing miracles behind the scenes that we're not even aware of because we didn't know to ask the question. The story reminds us, too, that the best is yet to come. Suddenly, this question that we started with of what we're out of no longer has the center stage, or the most importance in our lives. Now, we know that we have seen God's abundance again and again in our own lives, in our world, in our community. Right now, there are things available that are free that are usually not free. There are virtual museum tours. You can watch free concerts from big stars. I know Elton John hosted a concert. Lady Gaga hosted a concert. Disney had a sing-along on the television a couple weeks ago. I mean, do these things make up for the situation that we're in? Of course not. Not even close. But they're still examples of abundance and generosity. And our challenge as people of faith is to name things like these, as silly and simple as they are, and others, to name these things that are good, and to give thanks for these small blessings that we find around us. I've heard too in this season of people calling local restaurants and saying that they wanna buy meals for people who need them. They wanna buy meals also for healthcare workers, for first responders. What a great example of abundance and love. If that's something that speaks to you, I'd encourage you to do that too. Call up your local restaurant, see what might be possible. I know that in this moment when we can't come together in the same room, People are organizing drive-by celebrations for birthdays, for anniversaries, and if you haven't seen one of these, people stay in their car and they drive by somebody's house and they wave out the window, they hold up signs, and it's not just for celebrations either. I know that people have done this in support of those who have lost loved ones. There's so many ways that we can come together and show one another that we care, and these are examples of abundance right here and right now. Now, speaking of showing abundance and signs, that's the language John uses. Have you seen any signs recently in people's yards? I've seen signs. They show support for healthcare workers, for essential workers, for first responders. What a great way to show support, to show God's abundance, to show generosity towards those who are on the front lines and caring for others in our community. It feels like such a small thing, given all that's going on. But in an era in our country when it seems like we disagree on almost everything, we all can agree that we support our healthcare workers. We all can agree that we are thankful for those essential workers who are at the grocery store, who are making food at restaurants, who are teaching our children online, who are Uh, protecting our communities who are carrying the mail. We support these people. We can agree on that. What an example of abundance. And really, there are an abundance of examples of abundance. People stepping up in these small ways to show support for one another during this time in a way that I have not ever seen in my lifetime. I think about our congregation, for example, In the midst of this stay-at-home order, our food pantry has continued to operate on a monthly basis as it has in the past. And we've had volunteers coming into our building to help distribute food to families who need it. And I know that they've figured out systems to pack boxes and get the food to families in the safest way possible. But it's also a risk to do that work, just as it's a risk for those families to drive to our church and pick something up. Food distribution will happen by appointment again tomorrow, and I give thanks for the volunteers who are packing that food and making that ministry happen. I give thanks for those families who are brave enough to journey out of their homes to receive that food. Abundance is not only in our community, it is personal. I've personally experienced abundance during quarantine Many of you know that I am lucky enough to have a 10-month-old daughter named Maxine. Well, my husband and I, husband Joel, we've been doing the full-time parenting, full-time pastoring thing. Joel's a pastor as well. Many of you have been working from home with your kids, and you all know it is a lot. It's quite the task to parent while you're trying to work. There comes a time every day with Maxine being under a year old like she is, late in the afternoon, early in the evening, when it becomes a little bit difficult for anybody in the house to work because Maxine starts to get a little bit fussy as it gets close to bedtime if she's not kept entertained. Have you ever experienced that as a parent? It's kind of that magical hour or so before bedtime when we're trying to keep her awake and occupied so she doesn't get crabby. So since the quarantine, it's become our tradition when we're trying to keep her awake, uh, to play the piano, to play the piano. I'm standing right by it here. We received a player piano from my great uncle when he passed away earlier this year. And with it, we received a case of 120 to 180 rolls, same as the number of gallons of water that Jesus has collected. If you're not familiar with a player piano, you put these rolls into the front of the piano and air goes through the rolls plays the keys, and you have music without having to know a note of it yourself. Pretty cool. Pretty cool stuff. It started as a way to fight infant crabbiness, but it turns out that Maxine loves the player piano, and if she is standing, she starts bouncing when the music comes on, and she'll wave her hand, and if she's sitting she will start clapping or she'll start smiling. She loves music. She loves the player piano. And we get to dance with her and we get to share music. I got to tell you, pre-quarantine, this was not a time of day when Joel and I were both at home. One or the other of us would be at church. We'd be getting ready for a meeting. We'd be connecting with other people who were in the building. There were things that we were doing. So one parent would be home, one parent would be out. This daily moment with the piano that we've come to love It wouldn't have happened without quarantine. Now that I've said that, do I wish that we weren't in the middle of a pandemic? Of course, I wish the pandemic weren't going on. But when I think about God's miracles of abundance, I think of Maxine dancing to the player piano, because that's the silver lining for us, for our family. We each have a list of things that are not Right now, things that are not happening, things that are not possible, as I've mentioned, and there's no way to change most of these things. We can't shift what's going on on this global stage, but I'd like to challenge each one of us to make a list of things that are, a list of abundance, a list of silver linings, things that are good, that are ex- that we are experiencing even here, even now, even in the midst of a pandemic Things that we may not otherwise have experienced. It doesn't matter what you call your list. If it's the good stuff list, the abundance list, list, the silver linings list. It doesn't matter if you physically write it down on a piece of paper or you just keep it in your head. I want you to think of all of the things that are today. All those things that are good. And I want you to name them one by one. You can do it as a family if you live with other people. You can do it by yourself and call up a friend afterwards if you live alone. And then I want you to give God thanks for those good things. The challenge for us as people of faith is to look at life through a lens of gratitude and abundance. Seeking out ways that we can be part of God's miracles of abundance for other people. So that all may have enough. So that all may know how to identify the good things in their lives and share them. It's not enough for, we, for us ourselves to receive abundance. We have to share it. That's part of our call as people of faith. You'll notice that Jesus in the story doesn't just transform a little cup of wine for himself. He makes sure the party has enough to go around. This is who Jesus is. This is how Jesus lived. And we can't share abundance exactly in the way that Jesus does, but there are plenty of ways that we can provide joy for others. We can provide food, we can provide drink, we can offer support to one another. And it may be that what we are able to share amounts to a small miracle in someone else's life. And we have no way of knowing what those things are going to be before we offer them. This week, I want to invite us to intentionally look for signs of God's abundance even in this season and make a list of those things that we want to give thanks for. Because every single one of us has something good in our lives right now if we have the eyes to see it. And sometimes the miracle that we need most is simply that of claiming our faith and identifying what is good in the face of messages that say, There is not enough. The sky is falling. We'll never get out of this thing. Jesus proclaims, there's plenty for all if we share. And all will be well. Peace I give to you, Jesus proclaims. That's who Jesus is. That's the kind of message that he came to earth to proclaim. So after you've made your list and you've given thanks, I'd invite us to ask ourselves, How can we share the abundance that we're experiencing with other people? People we know and love, people we'll never meet. How can we be part of what God is already doing in the world? Like Mary so many years before us, our story may begin with scarcity. There isn't any wine. But we know that this story and our story does not end with scarcity. The story ends with Jesus, and it ends with this truth. The best is yet to come. May it be so for us today and every day. Amen.
0: You've been listening to the weekly sermon from Clarkston United Methodist Church in Michigan. We are a church dedicated to connecting people to people and people to God. To learn more, visit us at clarkstonumc.org.